citizens of the world. I'm here to change your life. Anything you want. Anything you dream of, you can have it. Till Becky saw goes. Diana, look at you. It's like now one day has passed. Um, all right, everyone. Well, Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, Christmas is over. Uh, Happy St. Stephen's Day. I was about to say that. Merry Boxing Day. Yes. One of those. I'll prefer St. Stephen's because that's what Andrew likes. Punch. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Wages of Cinema. And we are here with our full crew. Kermit, hands up in the air. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's so. good to be back, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be anywhere, really. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like, carve that on your tombstone. <laughs> it's good to be alive. How about that? All right. I am Jack, and always was with me is Trash Panda Cory. Trash Panda Cory. That's her new nickname. In oh. case. Yeah. All right. Good. Yes. Good. You're on your way. I forget. How did we come up with that again? I forget, but I do love trash. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, with us as well is... Guest star Matt. Yes, and... Andrew. Yay! The only person with no nickname. I don't have a nickname. All right. I guess I am Grandmaster Jack. Uh-huh. I don't know. Guest Star Matt isn't particularly a good nickname either. Well, didn't we have you as Death Star Matt for a little while? Yeah, I, I thought that was for Star listen, Wars. That worked for Star Wars. We could go on about the lore of the Wages of Cinema for ages, but we got to talk about Wonder Woman. Wonder okay. Woman 1984, which is uh, now both in theaters and on HBO Max. And uh, Are they giving us money for saying that? Uh, I, I wish. Oh, they're not giving anybody money. Oh, that's a problem. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, I think this movie's all right. Like, I'm not going to say it was like necessarily all that great. I'm going to say it was bad. I think it we it evens out for me into it's all right. Like it's good in it's very good in some parts. Other things really bog it down, and I. Something about it kind of bugs me in general, but I still think it is better than what, like, about, like, 70% of the rest of the DCEU. I think it was pretty good. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Matt? Um, Yeah, I'm kind of with Jack here, is that I liked it. I didn't love it as much as I expected it to, although there was a bunch of surprises that I wasn't expecting that I was delighted by, but the yeah. thing that I really wanted to like was underserved by the movie. Interesting. Underserved. Okay. Yeah. I, I liked aspects of this movie, but I did not like the movie. I think this is, uh, the whole is much less than the well, sum of its parts. I liked the beginning, and I liked the end, and like an hour and 50 minutes in the middle, I thought was pretty boring because I didn't think these like disparate things cohered into anything good. But it was frustrating because it was not the type of bad movie I could totally dismiss. Well, it wasn't like trying, well, it wasn't trying to be like some, well, I was about to say this, it's not trying to be some grand poetic state you know, but statement but it is which is the problem <laughs> i but the thing is i think it actually is really interesting as this slightly more ambitious 
movie in terms of like trying to present this idea about like how people should act in the world and be the problem is that as you say in some of the execution it gets bogged down in just a lot of stuff and maybe it could have been streamlined or maybe it could have done with one more rewrite to fix some things in particular with the Kristen Wiig character which we'll get into yeah. but, uh, I need so... to, wait 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 before we go any further I need Andrew and Corey to recreate the scene from when we came home from the apartment <laughs> just for posterity so that people at home know how we kicked off All right, let, let me set the stage for you Corey did not join us in the theater she stayed home to watch it on television like a pretty responsible adult. Okay, and yeah. so uh, I had a different opinion about the first Wonder Woman movie, so... Yes, go back uh, to listen to our episode if you want to hear more about that. So I came in, and Corey was there, and we talked a little bit about the movie. How did this conversation start, Corey? I asked Andrew, did you like it better than the first one? I liked it a lot better than the first one. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, I like this a lot better than I liked the first Wonder Woman. I think this is better written, and I, I really enjoyed the sort of emotional payoff at the end. I think some of it is very is well written. There are other things that just structure, like in terms of some of the structure and motivations, I wish were a little bit stronger. So let's just do a brief uh, summary of what happens in this. It's like, sure. Wonder Woman 1984 starts like Diana Prince, like Wonder Woman. She's like working in the Smithsonian, living it up in the 80s, just Dude, kind of by herself. Once in a while she goes and does like the thing we often don't get in superhero movies anymore where she just helps regular folk out. And, like, you know, we'll save someone from falling off a bridge, which, awesome. Yeah, Great. cool. We don't yeah. get enough of that. And then uh, Kristen Wiig, she fought, has a magic rock in the Smithsonian that she finds that can grant wishes. And Maxwell Lord, played by Pedro Pascal, uh-huh. uh, grabs that rock and does it to... Grab, takes it to do evil stuff. Well, more, more, more over than that, he becomes the rock. He basically wishes... I want to be the wish maker. or so. He says something grand like that. Do you remember, Matt? Yeah, kind of. I thought that was a spoiler. But anyway, <laughs> right now. It's not really a spoiler. It's pretty early on in the movie. Yeah. So let me, let me talk about what I like about this. There, uh, so the plot of this is fairly simple. Yes. Maxwell Lord is using the power of this wish rock to basically grant people's wishes and get the things he wants. Yeah, he, he's a wish master. Yeah. And so, but all of this starts to go out of control pe- fairly quickly. And yes. Wonder Woman is trying to stop him from doing this. And Kristen Wiig makes a wish she wants to be awesome, like, with, like, Diana. And everybody's, like, basically, if she doesn't stop this, then the whole world is going to implode under all these wishes and everything. Yeah. But well, well, it also gets into, well, it gets really complicated once, you know, he want you know, because he's an oil man. You will agree. <laughs> <laughs> and, sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> anyway, he, but he, like, that puts him into contact with, you know, extremely powerful people all over the world. And that's what especially kicks it off. Because once, like, these people have their, you know, very specific uh, wishes that, you know, involve, like, geopolitical power struggles. Yeah. It, that's what further things... Like, if he was just granting wishes for just, like, 
you know, nobody's in town, that might maybe keep the chaos at a lower level. Yeah, but it does make a little more sense. He's trying to become greater and greater and greater, and he finds creative ways to get that. Even yeah. if it's just holding on to a person and asking them, what do you wish for? You know, yeah. even then it's like, it's simple, but uh, and you and it's a bit clunky to see someone do it, but you understand what he's doing. He just sure. wants more and more stuff. Well, and... well, it's also transactional because he thinks if I grant a person this wish, they'll give me things. He's using the sort of monkey's paw like power <clears throat> of the thing of of this rock to get those things for himself, mm -hmm. which goes a lot further than I think anybody's ever tried this at plot anywhere else. It's like usually if you have that sort of movie, it's like someone gets the power to wish for things and then it bites them in the ass. He's trying to use this uh, to his own advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah here's... And that's basically the, the essence of the plot. It's not much more complicated than that, but it's, pr but you, but it's pretty easy for, to follow. I think. No, it, well, that is, that is a thing I did like about the movie up to a point. It's more about like, what if you had a, an antagonist who, you know, they're not like, your typical, like, you know, intentionally, you know, they're, they're always like, I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm Lex Luthor, <laughs> you know, I'm this guy, you know, he's more of just, he's not thinking that far ahead. He's yeah. thinking more like I want, you know, well, like other, a lot of comic book films, I want to make money and you know, like I want to make lots of money, you know, cause I'm a fledgling bullshit con artist. And yeah, you know, the thing I think I, my problem was that, I was really kind of enjoying Pedro Pascal's performance until it got to be like too campy. He, I think he does a pretty good job. He does up until like maybe the last third when he's just, I don't know. He starts to become too like the subtlety goes away in the last third. I think we can all agree by the, yeah. by the, by the end of the movie, he's just okay. all of the, all of the uh, nuance is gone. Uh, but I was just saying that that feels right. Cause it's escalating to a comical degree. You have to get exponentially greedier and more out there and more egotistical to sustain mm -hmm. the story that you're going for. Yeah, so yeah. He, he can't stay like a reasonable, understandable, likable, aspirational guy. But, but even still, but I could still, but I, I think though, like, I think I was, I just think that, but uh, how do I say this? Like, I was enjoying how he was kind of keeping it at a certain level of over the topness, but then like the movie becomes so like blown up to the point where. I just thought he was maybe trying to get to a point that he just doesn't didn't have. I didn't mind that he was theatrical, but for me, this movie died on the vine once it became like about geopolitics. For me, oh, I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> Not really. No, because I, I already said it. But for me, that's a fatal blow from which the movie never really recovers because once it becomes that like dramatic in scope. I don't think the movie has the gravitas to pull it off at all. And I also feel like once the plot advances beyond like interpersonal greed, it sacrifices character development. And it made the movie yeah. very tedious to sit through because I felt like the characterizations were really half-baked, especially... Mm from the Kristen Wiig character, 
totally half-assed. Oh, yeah. And Wonder Woman herself, I thought, was a lot blander than she was in the first movie. The thing about this is that I think it's a really good Max Lord movie, but the problem is it's not a great Cheetah movie, and Cheetah is one of Wonder Woman's top arch enemies. So yeah, I was wondering about, about that. I was I was going to ask you about that because to me it seemed like this started off like I was almost a little worried about what they were going to do with that character because I've it feels like almost a trope that I've seen in a lot of other movies. You like, saw that trope in Green Lantern. Well, not even, I wasn't even thinking Green Lantern, but that's interesting that you think that. No, I was thinking more like... Batman Returns. Batman yes, Returns. Well, Batman <laughs> Returns, even Batman Forever to a smaller extent, and, like, the early part of Iron Man 3. And, of course, you know, I haven't seen it, but I feel like that's the Electro origin in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Which I've the sort of nerdy person who suddenly gets a lot of power and just kind of turns into a monster. Yeah, and the thing was, early on with Kristen Wiig, I actually was fine with her, like, a little bit of her storyline. It was once, right, like, then once she, but once she gets Grant, like, she makes that wish that, you know, I want to be more like her. And that's when I feel like, yeah, they don't really give her anything that interesting to do. Like, it's you know exactly where this is going. Yeah. But and then it starts to focus much more on Maxwell Lord and what he's doing. And I then know. you also have to focus on with Chris But they, But they still have to bring her back in. That's what I think that's part of what makes yeah. the movie bloated. And you make a great point, Matt, that if they had been, like, just a Cheetah movie, but it's, yeah, it's a good Max Lord movie, but, like, Cheetah has to also be there, but then it's like, you know, she becomes like the secondary villain, but it's like, we know how that Diana's gonna, you know, be able to conquer that without saying what happens. Yes, and also the movie was co-written by Jeff Johns. I was gonna so, ask you about that, so that too. Means they're using his version of Barbara Minerva, which I don't like as much as the George Perez original version of Barbara Minerva, who I think it would be a much more interesting antagonist for Wonder Woman. And so mm. I think that was a bad choice. Was that the one from the, like, that famous run from the 80s? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because I haven't read that, but I know it's supposed to be, like, pretty but great. basically, because in the <clears throat> George Perez's version of Barbara Minerva, she's the third cheetah in a long line. And anyhow, she's basically huh. um, evil Lara Croft. And it's cool because, like, you know, you have Wonder Woman who's, like, a princess and has all this privilege, but she's a good person down at heart. Whereas then you have Barbara Minerva who has all this also white privilege, but she's a terrible, horrible person. And so you have, like, a good clashing of saying, like, see, mm. you could be like this or you could be like that. It's not power is inherently good or bad. Oh, can we go into spoilers? Because I want to respond to what Matt is saying, but I, just, I can't do it without being spoiled. Oh. Um, well, can you hold on uh, to that thought? Okay, we so, can bring, we come yeah, back we'll to come it. back to this. Okay, so other people move on. <clears throat> Were you going to say something about the character, Andrew? I kind of do want to say more about Cheetah, but it will be... Uh, 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 I do kind of want to save it for spoilers. Yeah, well, I guess what, what I could say, though, with her, just without even spoiling anything, is, like, I, but, again, not knowing about that character, because I went in just pretty cold. Again, I'm I'm looking at is just, like, how this movie is presenting this character. It, it again, it starts off, yeah, as we said, like, Batman Returns. It's, she's basically like Selena Kyle, but it's, like, but instead of falling to her supposed death and resurrected by cats she's you know that should have been cheetah's origin story <laughs> <laughs> she falls to his into a zoo 
Uh, yeah, and well, it's just, but then yeah, so she gets the, this like she gets this wish. She suddenly realizes, oh, I have all this power. But yeah, like philosophically, there isn't that contrast exactly with Diana. It just seems like Barbara also seems like a pretty good person, and. And, she's you know, just awkward, and uh, she's a little awkward. But it's like you know, oh, I give, I'm going to give some food to this homeless person, and do you know? She's a nice person. Yeah. She is a nice person, but then it's like okay, but then that when you have that like in wrestling speak, when you have that heel turn, it's like it doesn't feel earned. But you have like a significant part of that movie, well, including without going into spoilers, a really pivotal moment with these characters that relies on her coming in and messing things up. Right. Well, also... I I think, though, the thing is just, like... It kind of has to do with the sort of mechanics of the plot. What does this wish thing do to you? And, you know, she's not the main villain, so it's not essential that, you know, the big... Well, she She should be the main villain, though, because she... Matt, you nailed it. She should be a dark parallel to Wonder Woman. She... And we should say, like, her plotline can be, like, the negative inverse of Wonder Woman's plotline. And it helps show the innate goodness of Wonder Woman. How another woman, granted Wonder Woman's powers, goes down a very different path. But the problem is, Cheetah is a half-baked character on her own. Totally boring. And also, her relationship with Diana is totally half-baked. What I would have done if I was making this movie is I would have started the movie with Diana and Barbara already having had a long-running friendship and already having a pre-existing relationship, which would make the, um, you know, Barbara's, like, resentment of Wonder Woman and her attraction to, but also resentment of, pack a lot more punch because... Barbara is introduced to Diana in the movie and they have like one night on the town together and that's it. That's like the basis of their friendship. Mm -hmm. Since we have almost a 70 year time jump between the first movie and the second movie, why don't we start with Barbara and Diana having had a complicated Mm long-term friendship from when the movie starts. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, and also it's like they're both working supposedly in the same department, and yet it's like they, you know, I guess she's new or they haven't met in that part. It's like, okay, uh, fine. You have to introduce, but that's the part, that's why it felt like like almost like a Batman Forever thing with Nigma or something, where like, uh, but only not as nefarious as he really is. Like, yeah. Maybe, yeah, make her more interesting, as you were saying, Matt. Yeah, if she had already enough, like, like you know, ideas of her own, aside from, I'm, like, a boring, normal, plain, vanilla white chick, but, oh, hey, I have, I, I can lift things now. I'm but gonna... she's so clutchy in that sitcom oh, way. Yeah. I want to talk about something else, which I was talking a little bit about with you guys on the ride back, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Corey. Why is this movie set in 1984? Because Patty Jenkins thinks we didn't get enough lazy 80s things. But that's the weird thing, though, that I was kind of bringing up to them is like, but it doesn't feel like it's that 80s. 
It's like it's it has a couple eighties and also, very, but like yeah, very superficially but, when it wants to be. But like why? But it could have just as easily been set well, in modern. Day. There's another plot thing that I can't say because it's in spoilers. It's kind of like it's not eighties specific. Like you could do it in another decade, but you couldn't do it now. I always kind of wonder though, like if if, if something was to make this film eighties, what would that be? Well, what is the essential 80s quality that this was missing? Well, there's a certain attitude sometimes from the 80s that, like, maybe a slightly more conservative bent, and maybe this could have, like, satirized that somewhat. Maybe. But, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it, but I, this is... And this isn't necessarily say, like, there's one way to do the 80s, but... I'm, I'm with you that, you know, it wasn't essential that this took place in the 80s. It is more or less sort of window dressing for the entire I film. I mean, and I don't mean to say, like, I want it, like, drenched in the 80s. Like, I don't know necessarily that would have been a great idea, but, like, the things... The, the, mo- the one essential thing of that, about this being in the 80s is that when, again, I don't think it's a spoiler because he's in the trailer, you know, Steve Trevor is back through a wish. Oh, I got some thoughts about that. (laughs) But like part, you know, there's a good like 10 to 15 minutes where it's just Steve being like, Oh wow. What is this thing? Oh wow. Oh, look at this. Oh, this is amazing. So in other words, he basically becomes like Diana was in the first movie reacting to things in like, you know, know, modern times. And yet it's kind of like, Okay, this is kind of cute, but like, what is it really doing? Like, to move the story forward, you're just like kind of taking up time to get some like easy laughs that like are good for like the trailer. I think it's set in the '80s because a she liked the aesthetic of like the '80s clothes and the bright colors, and it does look good. I'll give the movie yeah. like it, it's pretty. It looks bright and pretty. I, also, I like I mean, that. There's, nothing, compared there's to other. nothing phony about it. It's just it, it looks more like how Superman should be. Max I'm sorry. Lord is kind of that. like an '80s character. You know, greed is good. Wall Street. So yeah. I think Max Lord is kind of '80s esque. And then you know, what I think maybe it does. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, and I'm sorry uh, to interrupt you. Okay. Um, I, what I think it does is that it sets it pretty well apart from all the other DC films because we have World War One, we have Grey Snacks, Zack Snyder, whatever the hell mm-hmm. it is, and Justice League. I don't think, like you just said, it looks a lot more like what Superman would have been like back yeah. in the '70s, and mm-hmm. so we get more like just primary colors and normal stuff, yeah. and it's just like it's not gritty, it's not faded, it's any, it's just like. It looks much more colorful than everything else that DC has done, with mm-hmm. the possible exception of Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. still, well, Shazam has a little bit. I of think a it good does. Birds of Prey, I think, would also be colorful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Suicide yeah, yeah. yeah. Squad wasn't that uncolorful. Well, it was, it wasn't yeah, that yeah, colorful. Yeah. It was just kind of saturated. Yeah. This was a lot like I think maybe visual. If the '80s setting does anything. It's that it distinguishes this film from all the other DC films. Hmm. I not just for not simply for being outrageous, but for just more or less being normal hmm. looking. You know, the grass is green. Wonder Woman is red and blue. There's not there's nothing faded and nothing super saturated or neon anywhere. You know, it's oddly enough this ha- this this eighties based film has the least neon color of any DC film. <laughs> You yeah. should bring up your thing that you said in the car before that I was going to. I said a lot of things in the car. <laughs> Supergirl comparison. Oh yeah, I was thinking about Supergirl. This is dumb. Um, 
<laughs> I thought I said I wasn't going to bring this up. Well, I was going to bring it up, but then you decided to say All right, all right. So a long time ago, back in the early 80s, maybe, or yeah. the late 70s, there, no, was a maybe. Su- there, there was a Supergirl film. Faye Dunaway was in it, believe it or not. It uh, wasn't like Peter O'Toole wasn't in there. Yes, that. he was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Peter O'Toole would do anything. Less embarrassing than Caligula, though. But it's like a lot of the... I'm not going to talk too much about Supergirl. That's but fine. It was basically like Supergirl goes to Earth to get a magic rock that Faye Dunaway is using to cast spells on people. Yeah. It was the essentially the same plot as this. Which, uh, Pat Wiley came out in 1984. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I wonder if Patty Jenkins saw Supergirl as like a little girl and decided like I'm gonna Hold make on. this movie. Hold on, yeah, it did. no, it did. Well, I'm double checking it because it can't be true. <laughs> You're doubting my like knowledge of random facts. I'm not I have doubting in my head. you. It just sounds too good to be true. <laughs> Supergirl, uh, 1984 film. Goddamn. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Because this was yeah. Magical rock, <laughs> magical powers, heroin, superheroin, fight, trying to get this. Except Wonder Woman sold that idea so much better. I'll I, take your I know, it's a, I know it's a terrible comparison, uh-huh. but still, it's like, mm-hmm. I can't help but think that these two films are linked conceptually. Well, the thing I was thinking about, too, watching this movie, and I know you'll appreciate this, Corey, is the movie Wish Upon. Yeah. And how, like objectively, I know this is a better movie, but I kind of think Wish Upon had a little bit more fun with that concept. Well, it depends on your definition of fun. <laughs> like, I don't know. I kind of have, like, a good laugh watching, like, teenage girls salivating over, like, sexy Ryan Phillippe playing a saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, though, that this film... That Wonder Woman 1984 is, is nothing really original. Everything we've seen in it is stuff we've seen like a dozen times before, like the dress-up montage, the sort of, you know, Richard Donner sort of escapades in the first few mm. scenes of the movie. Like, all mm-hmm. that stuff, like, and, you know, the stuff with Kristen Wiig and the stuff with, you know, uh, with the rest of the plot. But it's just like, you know... I think it combined it all really well and pulled it off. It, it combined it well at points, but I think at it a certain succeeds. time, I think like, oh, but maybe after like the halfway point, I think that was when I was starting to get a little bit like, can we wrap this up a little bit sooner? Yeah, there there is a 90 minute decent movie in here. So this movie's two and a half I hours say 90 minutes, maybe like 100. A lot of it I found very boring and tedious because the characters and their relationships were so undernourished. And I feel like the way to make this good would be to use the magic rock as a tool to, like, develop interpersonal relationships. And Mm. I wish that's what the movie was interested in. And I wish the movie wasn't interested in telling a bloated, boring, generic, like, save-the-world story. I wish the movie had, like, really zeroed in on exploring, like, a few relationships. Because mm. I do think there was potential in these characters, mm. but... Well, you didn't think there was, like, uh, a bond between, like, Maxwell Lord and his son? 
<laughs> Sorry, I found that to be kind of cheesy. I'm, I'm not saying we're not saying what happens with that, but like that was one thing in the movie. I was like, oh come on, you're really gonna do this movie? Like, I'm I'm usually a corny. I'm into corny stuff, but this is like. This is kind of pushing it for me. I think this, there's a that, that to me, though, story in here, but it just—it's pretty brutal to sit through. Yeah, I, I thought though that that, like, for the first time, that was corn that really worked. It worked at first, but like when you see the payoff near the end, I. Uh, we gotta go into spoilers. We do have that. to go into spoilers. So I'm gonna say, kind of like to wrap up the non-spoiler discussion for myself. It's just like. Uh, Wonder Woman has a lot of stuff we've seen before in a lot of lesser movies, mm-hmm. but I think it pulls it off really well. Yep. Even though there is, you know, some of the ca- a lot of the characters are underdeveloped, I think that you know it, it still does what it does really nicely. Would you say it's your favorite DCEU film? No, my favorite DCEU film is Aquaman. Okay, but I like this a hell of a lot better than I did the first Wonder Woman, and right. uh, it was, and I uh, I felt really good at the end yeah. of the film. I might put this on par with. Aquaman, because I didn't, th- I didn't think Aquaman was like great either. I, I have a, a, I have personal reasons for liking Aquaman, but that's I fine. That's fine. Really we, good. I remember, yeah, those. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I liked it, but it, I just didn't love it. Like, I think that a movie, like, there was, I don't know, it's hard to, to say that it. Well, I don't know, like, it's like like the six of one and a half. It doesn't know. Like it, it improves these ha- six things, and then these six things that w- are worse at it. So like you know, it's a, it's a wash. But like I mean, like I like adequate things better than things that are inadequate. So <laughs> uh, that's that's I, not that's not bad. Yeah, I didn't mind watching it. I mean, I liked it. I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to. That's fair. And I am like, I think the most negative of the four of us. I think this is a bad movie. I think it has. A few, like, interesting things in it. But ultimately, I think it's a bad movie. I don't recommend it. And I found a lot of it very boring. And to me, the cardinal sin of a film is to be boring. Would you Would you recommend it, like, even for, like, HBO Max? Uh, I mean... Not even that. Here's the only it thing I'll say. Here's the yeah. only thing I will say about it. Because I did like the beginning, and because I did like part of the end... The only thing I'll say about it is I texted you this. I rewrote the movie in my head as I was watching it. And the alternate version of the movie I wrote in my head as I was watching this boring, generic piece of trash (laughs) was pretty good. So I would say the movie inspired in me like an interesting flight of fancy. Because there were things about it I did like. Like there were components of it I liked. But I don't think they cohere to very much. We discuss those things in the spoiler zone. Yeah, so we'll, we're going to be well. transported. We're throwing ourselves now into the spoiler zone. Get out of the way, zone. <laughs> spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. All right, so if you don't want to be spoiled, you should stop here. If you don't care, we can keep if going. If you don't want to be spoiled, get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're caught before you even got started, Cheetah. Guess again, Wonder Woman. It's you who have been caught. These 
three-dimensional holographic laser images are perfect duplicates. And by the time you figure out which one is the real me, I'll be inside the chemical plant. <laughs> Not this time, Cheetah. There's one thing you didn't figure on. Your phony cheetahs don't cast shadows. I've already spotted the real you. That's what you think, Wonder Woman. Why isn't Ronald Reagan in this movie? Ronald Reagan is in this movie. He just very badly cast. He does not look like Ronald. He does not look like Ronald Reagan. He does not I, sound like him. He's generic white president I guy. I assume that was Ronald Reagan. He's really? soft in the head like Ronald Reagan was. <laughs> they could have cast someone to look like him a little well, bit. Well, that's the other reason why this movie is set in the 80s. So you could tap into that Reagan era like you know, Cold War escalation. But but the thing is, though, like, yeah. we're always at war with someone, though. Like, we, you could have just made it, like, Iran or, like, some other, like, country. We wouldn't have had the same punch. We've always been at war with Eurasia. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, speaking of 1984, uh, the other one. Um, yeah, so that was something that, I don't know, that was a small thing. But, um, yeah, but to get into the spoiler part of it, it's like... So talking about uh, Barbara and and Cheetah, like, so does she become a cheetah because of her fashion sense? No, she. I think that the thing is that she got one wish from touching the Dreamstone, or as I like to say, Material Opticon. <laughs> but then she got an extra wish to become a cheetah person because when Max took its powers, he got he got like an extra wish out of that. That's why I didn't get that. Uh, I thought that maybe she briefly renounced her wish so she could get another one. Why did she get a second wish? Maybe she did renounce it in the meantime. But I that, think that, that was something I was going to ask you because I stepped out to get to the bathroom. You stepped out in that moment. And I was just like, okay. And I came back and she wasn't a cheetah yet. Like, I saw a shot of her just not being a cheetah. Yeah. And then, like, then the next shot I saw her, she was a cheetah. And I was like... Yeah, but they didn't show any transformation. Uh, no, either. they should have. But I mean, I thought that was like she got like a double because it wasn't the same exact rock thing as now person. So. And is that something from like the Jeff Johns? No, type no, of thing no, there? it's not. No. Okay. This yeah. might hurt your heart, Matt. So I'm sorry in advance. It's very dumb that she becomes a cheetah instead of <laughs> being a woman with powers. Be a woman with powers. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No. She's never expressed an interest in being like like she mentions that apex predator yeah. thing. But, she, but like uh, why but because she's wearing cheetah clothes, it's kinda did, stupid. She did like Wonder Woman's animal print high heels. Yeah. But see this is another thing is that they decide to make her a gemologist for no reason. It's so so she have, isn't that in the comments. No, no, either. they just picked at him for is it doesn't because they had to give her work. like a, I'm a somethingologist. That, that's not the weakest part of this argument. No, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. But no, it's, the thing is that like, it's, she doesn't become a cheetah in the comics because she wants to become a cheetah per se. It's part of like a a curse. So it's like a she, uh, a any, sexy curse. Yes, <laughs> it's like. Um, it depends on which version you're going for, because there's this Jeff Johns version, she turns herself into a cheetah because she stabs herself with a magic sword that had previously killed a cheetah goddess, so she gets cheetah powers, whereas yeah. in the George Perez See, version... what you're doing now, though, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's like, those reasons sound weaker than the reasons in the movie. No, I disagree. But, I but in a different movie, in a different story. Yeah, there, she doesn't intentionally want to be a cheetah. But, like, she, like, in the George Perez version, she 
usurps like some ancient ritual with a plant god, and then as like because she there's something screwy, she turns into like a cheetah person. Like she doesn't go and want to become a cheetah person per se. She wants power, and she gets uh, to become a cheetah person inadvertently. See. Being an inadvertent cheetah person is definitely better. Because this movie, I'm watching, I'm like, why does this idiot woman want to be a cheetah yeah. or an apex predator? But, but I, if they had redone her character so that she was a full-on furry, that would have been fine. Uh, but they didn't put that in. Yeah, that would have been... The, the leak is rather tenuous in the film. Where it's just like, she, she, we just don't know why in this movie she becomes a cheetah person. Yeah. It would have just made more sense to just have been a regular person with powers and fight Wonder Woman. But then, but then would... she wouldn't be cheetah. I know, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it doesn't that... mean that the reasons the movie it... gives us are any better. The, the movie needed to pick a villain. Either you pick Barbara and stick with that, or you stick with um, Max. Yeah, because either one can be a very strong villain, and like, and actually, like, when you think about what Max is doing, it's very, it does lead to, it gives you some thoughts about, like, how other villains operate and how he's, like, much more concentrated on a very specific type of, like, self centered, like, I want this. Right. Which is. Which kind of fits in with our 80s thing, man. So, do you a want me to bit. tell you a little bit about my rewrite of this film? Please yeah. Uh, mind. All right. So, in my mind, you still have both villains. Like, they're both in the movie. But Cheetah, who is not a cheetah, she just stays a woman the entire time. I'm sorry, Tom, Tom Hooper somewhere is very sad. <laughs> so, I don't know what we're going to call her, because in my version, she just is a woman the entire movie. She's the main villain. Can she be gigantic, at least? Oh, yeah. Yes, That'd be fun. Definitely. Okay. Max Lord is a supporting villain, but his, like, evil plan never gets any further than, like, personal enrichment on a small scale. So he's basically like Vulture or something mm-hmm. in Spider-Man. Because I told you, I found this movie incredibly boring once he, like, hops off to Egypt and, like, destabilizes the Middle East. And, like, starts this, like, nuclear arms race between America and the Soviet Union. I found this incredibly boring. So, in my version of the film, it's all gone. He he just uses the wish stone to personally enrich himself. And the destabilizing elements are personal, not geopolitical. Mm-hmm. He destabilizes relationships. Maybe he can destabilize his immediate geographic area... But we cut all the boring crap about, like, the desert. Well, if you think about it also, he's in Washington, D.C. Like, becoming, like, the head cheese there is, like, enough. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, it's tough. I know know he's an oil man, though, so that's what makes it Well, they also just threw that in for the movie, because he's not... Oh, he's not in the comics? Not necessarily, no. Uh, but then we wouldn't have a story. But no, but by me, man enriches himself to a reasonable degree. And then not stops. a villainous plan. Well, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, the movie doesn't have to show an escalation to like world of Armageddon in the film. Like the movie can tell us he might be on the path to that. But I found this movie's dramatization of that very boring. It escalated too quickly. And it just, it escalated to me in a boring way. Like, I found the escalation very boring. Now, I must say, 
despite all my criticism, I actually liked how Wonder Woman dispatches him. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was a really good scene, actually. And her scene, her showdown with Cheetah is horrible. But I really liked her yeah. showdown with Max Lord because she reasons him out of it uh, with the golden lasso and the power of love. I, I like yeah. I like what she's saying in the scene. Um, I found part of the execution like it's like oh, there was a part of me thinking like I should really be liking this. This is just should be touching my corny bone. But like uh, every TV is suddenly like gold. Like, I know it's supposed to be the, the truth. Like, instead of the lasso truth, it's the screens of truth. And I, I didn't really care for that image. So why... I don't know. I, that's a nitpick, maybe. Why can't he maybe. use his destabilizing powers to cause some, like, Washington, D.C.-specific crime, for instance? Like, I really liked the idea in the opening of the movie that she's become almost like your friendly neighborhood <laughs> oh, Wonder Woman. You know what? I'm going to add to your rewrite, Corey. Okay. You said in the 80s, he you know he does these schemes, and he's the one that really sets off Iran-Contra. <laughs> <laughs> but... I, the, the thing with Maxwell Ward that really makes it sort of compelling for me Oh. Is that you? Can't, is at the very end of the film, you begin to understand what is really wrong with him oh. as a person. It's like he wants to accumulate all this prestige and money and power to prove himself. Ostensibly, it's like I want to be a big shot so I can show my son that, and make him proud of me. Mm -hmm. But it's like no, it's because he wants to feel better about himself. That I like because he hates I did, himself. I know? did like that, and it's just like you know, so nothing will ever be enough for him. He starts with this thing, and he gets this wish stone, and he's like, oh, I wish for my company to be successful. I wish for this oil. I wish for... And he keeps going higher and higher because the thing he's looking for is not wealth or success. He's looking for some sort of a validation for himself. Yeah. Which he can never get because he doesn't understand it. Yeah, he's a bottomless pit that can never... And you out. see why. Because he had an awful childhood, because yeah. he's been mistreated. He and And I find him to be very... Not endearing, but, you know, like, I I began to understand who he was, like, in that first third of the film, where he's, like, he's yeah. walking into his office building, and the place is in disarray because everybody's left. He has all the bills, mm -hmm. and you really understand that he has vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And he's constantly ill throughout this. Every time he grants a wish, he is, his health is deteriorating, and he keeps managing to replenish his health by just, like, taking the health of other people. But it's just like he's just shambling from place to place trying to feed his soul. And it's just like it's not working. And even if he gets all this stuff, then it'll never be good. And that's what that's what motivates him. And that's what makes him really good, because he doesn't know the limits of what he's doing. And he can't see the harm he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's enriching himself, but he doesn't understand that he's literally destroying the world by giving everybody these wishes that they want. And everybody else realizes this. When Wonder Woman finally, you know, gives him the lasso, I mean, she shows him the truth, mm. which is like, this is why, this is what you're missing, and this is why you feel that way. Mm. And he sees it for himself, and he sees his son running around, and he sees probably himself in his son for the first time. Mm. Like, he is basically neglecting his son yeah. throughout the film, mm -hmm. and he sees, you see the neglect he went through. Mm. And then you see, you know, just he sees the harm he's causing to other people and everybody in the world sees the harm they're doing by their wishes. 
which is how Wonder Woman gets everybody to renounce their wishes. And, you know, it's much more optimistic than the last Wonder Woman was, where Wonder Woman basically said, where, like, that movie said, everybody, like, humanity is awful, and they've been making war on each other for years. Oh, oh, I think, don't get me wrong, I think the climax of this movie is a little better than the one in the first movie. Yeah, I thought, but I find Maxwell Lord to be a much better villain than a lot of villains I've seen. Well, I don't really even remember the villain in the first one now. Ares! Ares! Well... He had a mustache! Yeah. That's crazy! <laughs> you know what's funny? I rewatched Wonder Woman today, before Wonder Woman 1984, and what another interesting thing I said was, I think Wonder Woman is a good movie with a very, like, underwhelming, unsatisfying climax. It definitely has an underwhelming climax. <laughs> I think this is, like, a pretty bad movie with a really strong climax. Like, I actually... When we see, like, the Max Lord takedown scene, I was so checked out of this movie, and I had been so checked out of it for so long, I did not think it would work for me. But it really worked for me. Yeah. Like, it worked for me a lot. Although, although it leads to a question, which I think we also were pondering on the way back, like, how do these these people just think of this as like a weird episode that happened? Does it wipe their memory of how like no, the world right. almost came to an end? I, I asked this question. It's like you know, if this thing actually this this event actually happened in 1984, do you think people like a few years down the road are going to be like, hey, remember that one year with all the wishes that almost destroyed the world? Yeah, that's just something I think about with comic book movies in general. No, but but this is even though yeah, it's a comic book movie, but you're also trying to create like the reality of this world and that's another problem saying in the 80s is like what does this do to like society does this have like any kind of well, well, this movie is not about that and i i don't take that very mm-hmm. seriously that's to me it's more of a funny observation but the movie spends a lot of time like wasting our time pretending it's about that yeah i, I really wish this had been about like a neighborhood or a city or it had been a little smaller in scale because I when I saw the beginning of the movie when I was watching like the opening mall scene which I did like of like Wonder Woman foiling some burglars at a mall I was like okay even though Wonder Woman is kind of lonely and a little isolated she's bonding with humans as individuals on a small scale unlike the first movie which is all about her wrestling with her feelings about humanity as an abstract ideal. Sure. And realizing that humanity as an abstract concept is different than actual humans. It's less important than actually liking people. Yeah, so when I watched the beginning of the second movie, I was like, okay, there's some, like, it's obviously kind of sad, you know, she's by herself, but she's making a big difference like she's you know if you're that bride falling off the bridge and wonder woman saves your life wonder woman has made a big difference so i i thought the movie was gonna be about wonder woman interacting with people again in a unlike a spider-man like neighborhood savior kind of way i will say i do he gives an old woman directions (laughs) well i do well i do think that like the only thing because oddly enough i think actually wonder woman diana is probably one of the i'm not gonna say weaker parts but like her storyline is less interesting than max than maxwell and 
Well, I, sure. Well, I will say, though, I mean, the movie does in that prologue in Themyscira, it does set up the thesis of the movie, which is you can't do shortcuts. You can't just try to do a thing and like come out on, you know, and win in the end. You have to like learn a lesson about like actually like toughening it out. And that's fine, but I just wish the movie had a little better execution and a tighter script. Now, the, the weird thing is, is that that we learned from watching the actual movie is that Steve Trevor's soul has possessed this random guy's body, and then Danny's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go with this and bone. And it's like, we're not really <laughs> taking into consideration, like, who this guy oh, is. Oh, I didn't really think about that. Over. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. I thought, that, I, I thought that that was kind of a weird choice. Yeah, wait a minute. Wow. I that, forgot but... about that. No, that drove me crazy because first of all, like, I don't want to get too heavy here, but if he's possessing another man's body and using it, he's he's killed that man in essence. No, and he's not like, necessarily. No, he's he's just grand theft body check. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> it's more like a rape. <laughs> and you know, that was driving me crazy during well, the movie because I was like, what about this man's job? What about his family? What about his friends? All right, now I think you're overthinking it a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. Really me. Only, the only reason to have that is to have what was to have Diana not recognize him when she sees him at first. But we don't. And need then that. for yeah, him, just... but then for him to show up at the end as his regular. Person. Yeah, that part was weird. Again, that we was weird. That. Like I thought he would just be like Steve Trevor alive again, showing up. Yes, why there though. He... There, I think I recognize like a, a sort of flaw where it's just like Wonder Woman is is upset because she does have to give up Steve Trevor. And she's like, I'll never love anybody again. And she's, and he's like, no, just, no, the world's big. You can find somebody. It's great. Whatever. And I feel like at the end where she does meet that guy who Steve Trevor was yeah. body and had jacking, uh, she should have like got, like, to show some development, she should have kind of gone after him. Like, hey, do you want to get lunch? That would have been a little bit of character development for Diana. But then even yeah. then, that's kind of weird, because like, he's like, oh, I've been using your body, and then, yeah, we'll continue doing this and not mention this to you. That would be, like, super creepy. Body-jacking <laughs> really you know? bothered me. Maybe it's because in both Buffy and Xena, they have body-swapping, like, plot lines that fully reckon with, like, how horrible and traumatic that would be to have your body, to be body-swapped. So, it was something that was continually bothering me, like, Every scene that Steve Trevor was in, I was like, "Okay, are we gonna are we gonna deal with the fact that he's hijacked another man's body?" I'll give you that. It, it didn't need to be that way. No, it would have been so easy to just bring him back like normal. But yeah, like just like he's just suddenly there. You know, you know what actually does solve a few plot related things too, where it's just like, how do we? This is gonna sound dumb. No, uh, how no. do we have the clo- the 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 clothing montage if Steve Trevor doesn't have like his own clothes? Uh, I, I she could take him to the store. I would wager that the whole him being in somebody else's body ironed out a lot of kinks in the writing process. I don't think it did. No, it's no, not I, think it's I don't think so either. <laughs> I think it was bad. No, just I'm bring him back. It's worth it. It would have been easier if they had just done that. They could have yeah. gone to a mall. No, yeah, no, thing, but... no, just bring him back. Like, just do, like, a time travel thing. Like, if anything, that one moment where he comes back 
It reminded me of a different movie. Like, it reminded me a tiny bit of this movie some somewhere in time. You ever heard of that? Probably. It's, it's a Christopher Reeve movie. Christopher Weave. <laughs> God, what's with my voice? Reeve! Reeve! Christopher Weave. <laughs> oh, God, you're not going to get Anyway. Anyway, so that's... Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything else we haven't talked about. No, we didn't talk about Linda Carter. Very, oh, God. I loved that. <laughs> I did. I, I kind of groaned. Did you see that? It's a post-credit yeah. scene. I had no feelings about it one way or the other. I was like, this is okay. <laughs> like, I get it. I, I know why it's there, but... Which is... Uh, I never watched the Wonder Woman TV show, so I have no sentimental attachment to it. I mean, me neither. But it didn't bother me either. I was totally, like, okay with it. I'm kind of... I, I am sort of, like... Uh, for some reason, that scene made me smile, and I don't know why. Um, I, I, so, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. Her uh, dress was really pretty. Maybe that was it. That's it. Her dress was so pretty. The dress. So pretty. Maybe that's why I like this this movie so much. There More dresses. Go. There you go. Yeah. All right, so, yeah. This has been a thrill ride. Yeah, it's been an absolute thrill ride. <laughs> I wish the movie had been more of a thrill ride. Hey, I, this was what I was hoping for. I didn't like Wonder Woman that much, the movie, and I was hoping that this movie would I would like it better, and I did. I liked it probably twice as much. I'm glad you, you quantify. I'm, I'm glad you liked it more the first one. Yeah. I, Everybody I, else, however, yeah, well, you guys I, liked Wonder Woman. And this one you dislike. Well, I'm not even going to say I totally disliked it. I'm kind of in, I'm still in like the, it's okay. What star rating did you give it? Out of four. Uh, no, out of five. Five. All right, so five, five. Either like two and a half, maybe three if I'm generous. Because I was still entertained by a lot of the movie. And one last thing I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know, it... This movie felt like it had a lot less action than I normally see in other superhero movies, and I yeah, think I kind of appreciated I think you're, I that. Think you're right. Yeah, and I was so excited about having less action in a movie like this because for me, for the most mm-hmm. part, action is like and, the boring crap I sit through to get through the good stuff yeah. in a superhero. And movie. even though it was kind of conventionally staged, I also liked that like kind of like tr- like military truck chase or whatever that felt a tiny bit Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, because she climbed in the undercarriage of a truck. Yeah. That's true, yeah. But if only we had used all that free time from the lack of ponderous, terrible action sequences to have some character development. But we didn't. We uh-huh. didn't. And also, well, this I said this briefly, but I think Wonder Woman herself was like a lot less fun as a character in this movie. Than that's that's what I was saying earlier, like just well, before in the, in the movie prior to this, she was like a she was like a tiny squishy baby in the, in the <laughs> human world. <laughs> but yeah, she was just like I found her a lot blander as a personality in this movie. Uh, so. like she has like a decent arc ultimately, and. And I, uh, one more th- nice thing I'll say is, like, I kind of like that scene where she, um, like, she, she, Steve Trevor is in her in that plane, and she suddenly is like, okay, I'm going to try to do this invisibility thing. I only did it once. And then she does it. I kind of like that idea, although it seems also that could be also logical. Like, wait, she's had all these years, and she's never 
done invisibility. She was busy doing art stuff at the Smithsonian. <laughs> but it's a nice moment of discovery that you normally don't get in a superhero movie. I like movie. that with her flying, the but flying not with cool. the invisible jet. I I was pro flying. I actually really liked her flying scene. Yeah. But I did not like the invisible jet scene, and here's why. First off, she says, in all these years, all she's been able to do is make a coffee cup go invisible, and then she lost it. That part's a little dumb. Also, we're supposed to believe that (laughs) she's in the beginning of losing her powers because of a wish. So, plot-wise, I thought it was kind of dumb that she did something amazing with her powers that she had never been able to do before. When, unbeknownst to us, she's supposed to be in the beginning stages of losing her powers. Because it's the second movie, and every second movie law is that the superhero has to lose their powers. <laughs> but, even though it's a, I did not like, no, the, like the, that, I yes. did not like mm. the invisible jet scene, I liked the flying scene. I thought the flying scene was really good, actually. Yeah. That's that was when I went to the bathroom. That was nice. It was it was a, that was a nice moment. I'm not gonna say like, oh, this is so great. Like, it's it like so okay, great. it's it was really good. I yeah. But, it was nice. You know, it was it was it showed like the optimism of like a superhero moment. You know, it's like I can do it. I can. I'm really powerful. But Since we are perfect opposites, Andrew, in terms of Wonder Woman, you would have hated the flying scene if you had seen it. <laughs> yeah. The also thing is that, like, in the comics, she does fly by herself, so it was nice for her to finally get that power because all the other DC superheroes, they keep their same power levels, except Wonder Woman, she's been way powered down in the movies. So it's about time they gave her another way I, of I would know how come she didn't fly in Justice <laughs> I was going to ask that. Yeah, that's wait a minute! Yeah, or why is she flying? Or why is she flying Batman v Superman? Because they were made by men. This is what happens when women make movies. <laughs> oh god. Well, the moral, the real, the real moral of the story is fuck Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> and God, I'm. I don't quite agree with that, but I. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> whatever. This all right. So I think we've said all we were going to say. All right. Any last thoughts before we wrap things up? I think we said basically everything. I hope that uh, the villain for the third Wonder movie, Wonder Woman movie, M- is the coffee cup she lost. You <laughs> <laughs> turn me invisible. Now I'll turn you dead. That is a great way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> coffee cup for you, Wonder Woman. Not even a lasso can hold it. <laughs> when, um. All right, so guys, if you've had any thoughts, and I'm sure am I'm already I over here. Or am I over here? <laughs> The, All it does is just keep spilling hot coffee on it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I've been already. It turns into a cheetah coffee cup for no reason. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have seen Wonder Woman 1984, leave us a review or not a review. Leave us a comment. Uh, Wagesim at gmail dot com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you always, always for listening. Uh, we're coming up now on six years, and it's kind of amazing how much time has passed by. And and uh, we, you know, we feel you in our hearts. Yes. And all that. Like, yes. <laughs> I know how else to say it. So thank you again, guys. We'll see you or hear you next time. You Until... should go to my blog. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Where can you be found? MattTheCatania.wordpress.com Yes, and I'm sure you will have many, many, many links to things, and I'll look at 
Yeah. At least half of them. Matt wrote a particularly amazing blog about the boys. That was commissioned by her. That I commissioned. Yes. Yes. I made Matt my patron. I, no, I was his patron. <laughs> yeah, you should, make, you should make a Patreon and, like, ask to have people, like, make you, like, write articles for them for money. Pay me to do the thing I should be doing for free. <laughs> yeah, it's capitalism in a nutshell. Yes. Until, and speaking of capitalism, <laughs> until then, I'm Jack. I'm Trash Panda Corey. I'm Andrew. I'm Matt, the Materiopticon. <laughs> <laughs> the wage of cinema is death, or uh, the lasso of truth. Take your pick. <laughs> Night, everybody. Get used to it. I've never been one for rules. The answer is always more. They will never find us. I forgot to tell you. What? Radar. Will they will they shoot at us?